Basketball Heaven, the story of the 2008 Ottawa Glendorf Titans, is brought to you by... Hey, how you doing down there? It's me, the first Federal Bank Eagle, just soaring majestically as I look for the perfect place for a new home. All I gotta do is find the right tree and build a nest, but you people have to rent a truck and get a mortgage. I can't help with the truck, but I do know the experts at First Federal Bank can make the entire mortgage process easy. You can even apply online at first-fed.com. Big moves in First Federal Bank. Better together. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Do you like to target shoot? Are you going on a hunt? Ottawa Ordnance can help you with ammunition and a gun. Besides firearms, Ottawa Ordnance has pocket knives, muzzle loading, and gun cleaning supplies. Scopes, slings, bipods, and much more for hunters and shooters. And Ottawa Ordnance stocks leather concealed carry purses for women. Visit us at OttawaOrdnance.com or check us out on Facebook. Ottawa Ordnance, your firearms and accessories specialist. Your number one OG Titan fans. Auto Owners Insurance and the Everett Schmank Insurance Agency are a winning combination. Auto Owners and Everett Schmank will work with you to insure your home, auto, business, and life to keep everything you value safe, sound, and secure. Auto Owners Insurance, the no problem people. Call Everett Schmank Insurance Agency in Ottawa today, 419-523-6539. That's 523-6539. Rose Rock with a rebound, outlet down the floor to Josh Johnson. Four seconds left, he'll hold on to the ball. The Titans have won the Division Three State Boys Basketball title. March 15th, 2008. Ottawa Glendorf High School has just won its second state title in boys high school basketball. Four years before this, a team led by Tim and Eric Pollitz broke through for the school's first title after getting denied by LeBron James Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's teams at the regional level in consecutive years. Ottawa Glendorf Titans, 2004 Division II state champions for the first time in school history. In 2013, a team that brought back the majority of the roster from a state Final Four squad one year earlier claimed the school's third title. Five seconds remaining. Back over to Matias Trimkin. Trimkin lofts it towards the heavens. The Titans are state champions for a third time in school history. But 2008, well, 2008 was a different story altogether. Yeah, I, I, I just remember that year that it kind of came out of nowhere, which, again, is unusual because usually you're anticipating OG will be good just about every year, but, but that year they were just kind of a sleeper team, and all of a sudden we get down to state, and you're like, hey, OG's here, this is great. How'd that happen? When a lot of fans and, and Titan Nation look back at who is some of the greatest basketball teams to, to come out of OG, I, I imagine that, that 2008 team's not very high on, on many people's list because uh, we didn't have a, a Todd Shoemaker, we didn't have a Ryan Mag. I, I, I don't think anybody really bought into OG probably until they beat Ann in the, in the state semifinal. We didn't have the year that you know OG's used to having the year before, and we didn't really know what to expect as far as success. We just knew we were going to be good and we were hoping we could just play. Well, I knew they had athletes because they both were coming off fall, good fall sports. The football team made it two rounds into the playoffs and the soccer team made it to regionals. So we knew that there were a lot of good athletes. So we weren't really sure, you know, heading into the season with kind of the, uh, the team we had the year prior, but... Um, you know, things just started clicking. Pop the three, the triple will not go, but Coleman, the rebound and the putback, good for two. Oh, you gotta love that with Taylor Coleman. He's got such a nose for rebounding. Brickner comes up with a steal. Too many passes for the Royals that time. Down the floor to Shoemaker, coming in from the left side. Lays it in, off the window, good for two. Coleman to the free throw line, out to Meyer. He'll pop the three, and he knocks down the three. How about that for a chain of events? From an easy wide-open layup, wow. it just fell down to a three on the other end by Meyer. Meyer with the rebound, leading a three-on-two break. Left side, Shoemaker spots up a three and knocks it down. Shoemaker sent to the moment for the Titans, who push their lead out to 20. 
If there's a basketball heaven, it's got to feel a little bit like this, I imagine. Uh, I agree, and uh, people are still wondering, how did they get here? How did they win the state championship? Well, they did it with teamwork <laughs> and good execution, and never underestimate the coaching job that Coach Leslie did. Hi, I'm Doug Jenkins, and I've been the play-by-play voice of Ottawa Glendorf football and basketball since the fall of 2005. This is Basketball Heaven, the story of the 2008 Ottawa Glendorf Titans. Obviously, you know how this story ends. An unheralded OG team defies expectations to claim a state title, and this is an inside look at how they turned a middling season into a title run for the ages. Our story actually begins the season before. Ottawa Glendorf exits the tournaments with a loss to St. Henry in the district semifinals and a 13-9 record. Jake Meyer was a senior on the 2007-2008 team and one of the team's leaders. We were all obviously frustrated with how, how the, our junior year went, and we were just uh, bound and determined that that wasn't going to be the case our senior year. Colton Everett is a promising up-and-coming junior and understands that expectations are higher now that he's a full-time varsity player. Coming off kind of a, a disappointing uh, season the year before for varsity standards and especially OG standards, um, you know, we had high expectations, um, you know, even though we didn't have um, such a great season before. Taylor Pottist is a senior, anxious to see what his class could do now that they were the ones tapped to be leaders on the floor. Uh, I think we only had four seniors, and we didn't really know what to expect because we, we didn't have the year that, you know, OGs used to have in the year before. So coming into practice in the winter of 2007, this is a team with something to prove, and they're also a team confident in their own abilities. I don't think we had um, quite the, the expectations of a state title, but I knew that we, we could be good and maybe give a run. Um, you know, for the, the WBL title. That's Taylor Kuhlman. He's another junior on the 2008 team with a lot of promise who also played some varsity minutes as a sophomore. And Jake Meyer shared his optimism. Um, you know, going into that year, we were we were really excited. Um, we knew we had a solid team coming back. We, uh, the four seniors, um, Chu, Taylor, and, and Luke, um, and I, we're, we're just really excited to, you know, play with, uh, Colton, TK, um, George, those guys, uh, we knew we had a solid crew coming back. And, and uh, you know, we, we played together in summer basketball and things like that all the time. And, and uh, we, we kind of knew what we had. Now, a quick aside, and there's going to be a few of these over the course of the podcast, so be ready. But if you look up and down the 2008 OG roster, you're not going to find a George anywhere on that document. That's actually Eric Brickner. And I'll let him explain from here. I never really got a great answer either. My grandpa, Andy Brickner, just started calling me George, I think, when I was one or two years old. And he knew everyone in the county, so I didn't have much of a chance. So once he started calling me George, I don't think I really had a chance. But my mom and dad and everyone calls me George now. Anyway, Eric, or George in this particular instance, isn't shy about the confidence that he had in this team as he prepared for his junior season. I mean, I knew we definitely had a lot of talent. I mean, OG is pretty well known for always having great talent just about putting the pieces together, uh, putting the time in, uh, not even just during practice, but outside of practice, getting extra shots up. And um, I knew if we played up to our potential, we definitely had a chance at a state title run. Now, from the outside looking in, those are some lofty words. Todd Walker is the sports director for iHeartMedia in Lima and one-time voice of Ottawa Glendorf Sports. He says not too many people would have pegged this Ottawa Glendorf team to win a district title, let alone a state championship. That was one of those teams that I don't want to say there were no expectations, but that I don't recall that being a season they were like, oh, this is this is the year. Titan coach Josh Leslie is in his third year at the helm of the program and probably has the most balanced take on the potential and expectations of that 2008 squad. I mean, I think expectations are always pretty high. I mean, you don't expect to be middle of the pack. You expect to be good every year there. And I had no other expectations then. I didn't know how good. Now I figure we could contend for the league. And then obviously being Division Three at the time, you by a person, you can make a run. You know, But you still have to get through the MAC schools. You still have to get through all of them. You still have to play the arch goals, things like that. So, I mean, but I thought we could be a really good team that year.
Now, I want to backtrack a little bit here. You might have heard the part earlier about the previous year's team going 13-9, and and you might be wondering how a winning season and a sectional championship wouldn't be considered a springboard into an even better season. To understand that, you have to get to know Ottawa Glandorf. This is a community that loves its basketball, and it demands a lot from its basketball teams. Here again, this is just my opinion. I think every year, everybody thinks we got an opportunity to go to state. Whether we win it or not, that's a different story. But every year, I think we have an opportunity to go to state because, you know, we do have three schools coming into one for our sports programs, and we should be good. That's what I, that's the way I see it. That's Ottawa Mayor Dean Meyer. Back in 2008, he's a village councilman at the time, and you've already heard from his son Jake, who's a senior on the team, who also realizes the expectations of the basketball team by the community. Totally. Um, you know, you hear you hear all the chatter from, um, you know, all the previous classes and, and things like that. You know, guys that are kind of still around home or, or come back for the games and um, brothers and cousins of players on the team. It's a fact that's not lost on anyone who's ever played for Ottawa Glendorf, and that's especially true for this year's team. Growing up, so, you know, growing through junior high and um, middle school, you kind of know, all right, we get maybe one or two losses a year, and that's it. Um, and that, that mentality carried over into high school. But it's not all about pressure and expectations. Tyson McLaughlin is the current head coach at Ottawa Glendorf, and he was an assistant coach back in 2008. And as he explains it, basketball is just sort of a family thing at OG. You know, we're fortunate to have families that, you know, attend these events. And, you know, from an early age, these kids are going to, you know, high school, high school basketball games when they're four or five years old all the way to high school and, you know, driven about an opportunity, you know, to play for the Titans. And, you know, I think it gives them a little bit of it's, it's a, it's a sense of pride, but it's also it, it's a it's a responsibility. And uh, they don't want to let anybody down and, you know, they want to go out there and leave their own legacies. That's a sentiment that's echoed by a lot of the players, too. Jacob Menning was a junior on the 2008 squad, and he told me that a lot of his and his teammates' earliest childhood memories are of coming to Titan basketball games at the Supreme Court. I was at the basketball games, I mean, Myself, all my friends, we were there. I, you kind of moved around the, the stadium as you got older. When you were younger than junior high, you kind of sat at the top of the, the new bleachers behind the hoop and made as much noise. When you kind of got into junior high, you moved over opposite of the blue crew up top. I mean, that's the way I remember it. Is, I mean, you went to the games. Well, growing up, you know, every Friday and Saturday was spent you know, up at the gym. Every Friday, Saturday. I don't know one game that I missed, um, home game especially. And because these guys grew up around the games and the expectations, it, it doesn't even really seem to phase them any. It's just part of the deal. And even as teenagers, they grasp what it means to the community. I think basketball in general at OG is like the glue to our community. I mean, every Friday night, no matter if it's like, a foot of snow, ice, rain, whatever, people are going to these games every single Friday night. And it's, it is amazing. The play at the Supreme Court is just like something else. And then you have guys that are 85 years old. They've been season ticket holders for 25, 30 years. And they still go to these games like it's like the best thing that happened that week. That's Luke Bellman, who's a senior on the 2008 team. And he says everyone in the community looks forward to the hoop season. But, of course, the conversation always seems to circle back to one thing in particular. You know, are we going to be able to win state? Everyone talks about winning state at OG. That's how prestigious they are. You know, we talk about winning the, the WBL, but then they always ask us, well, are we going to win state? And no one feels those lofty expectations any more than the head coach. And Josh Leslie took that job three years prior to this, knowing exactly what to expect. I think any coach wants that. I mean, it's like it's a great situation. It's a top five job in Ohio in any in any level. I mean, it's and you know going in what you're getting yourself into. I mean, you have, you have to win there. People are demanding. The people understand basketball. But I think if you're a good coach, you want that. You much rather have it that way where there's that high expectation level from everybody as opposed to the other way. So the team is set. The players know they have some athletes and some ability. Senior Justin Shoemaker was well aware of this. You know, I think this was one that he definitely had a lot of expectations for with a strong group of seniors and then a really strong group of juniors as well. 
Taylor Kuhlman and Jake Meyer know the amount of athletes on the team can lead to big things, but they're also aware that they don't really have any known commodities. If you look at the athletes um, across the board that we, that we were bringing back, you know, there were a lot of two, um, three, or three sport uh, athletes on that team. And then, you know, anytime you can put um, athletes on the floor like that, um, that can play a little basketball and have some skill, um, good things can happen. Um, I don't think we had a star. Um, and, you know, I, I think when, when, a lot of, when a lot of fans and, and Titan Nation look back at who is some of the greatest basketball teams to, to come out of OG, I, I imagine that, that 2008 team's not very high on, on many people's list. But for all of the unknown and the admitted lack of star power, this is a team that's confident, and they know the expectations as the season approaches. Jacob Menning is a junior and hasn't ever really known what losing feels like. My class in general, we didn't lose many games up to that point. Uh, I think we lost one game in JV, and before that we had won about 50 in a row, getting back to junior high. So we, coming on to that team, I mean, we kind of always had the expectation that we were going to win every game we played. Colton Everett, also a junior, feels the same way. Um, you know, freshman year, our class went undefeated, and we really wanted to beat every team by 20. So the incoming junior class has some confidence, and so do the seniors for the most part. But they're also coming in banged up from football. Jake Meyer and Luke Bellman won't be ready for the first games of the season. It's especially concerning to Luke, who's recovering from a broken collarbone. Um, and we played a lot of guys, too. So I was like, man, we already have you know eight or nine guys that are playing this early in the season, and I haven't touched basketball in, since, since the summer. So I was like, you know, it definitely at first was like, you know, am I going to be able to get in and, you know, get some playing time? But So all of the nerves, the expectations, and the confidence are in the mix as Coach Leslie sits the team down for a preseason meeting. And it's at that point Josh lays it on the line. Yeah, I, I remember we were in his, uh, we, we went to his classroom. Um, you know, we had all the goals written up on the board, and we, we come to a state championship, and he points to it, and he's like, I think we can do it. And, like, why not? I mean, we have the ability, we have the tradition and this and that, so why not make a run out of people that we had there? And that's kind of an unreal feeling because at the time you're like, all right, you know, we're, we're just starting practice, starting to get into it. Um, you know, that 04 team went there, um, and now it's a special group. And, you know, kind of my feelings going into it is, can we actually be that special? And we kind of talked through it, and we were like, yeah, this is that. Obviously, that's something that we that everybody shoots for. Um, but is it realistic? And we were like, hell yeah, that's realistic. It's all been laid out, and it's time to get to work. And this team worked. Practices could be as intense as any game. It was always a battle um, coming to practice, and I think that's something we really look forward to and something uh, that really helped us along the way. One thing I can you know specifically remember is just you know, Brad Shoemaker would run the uh, the JV squad and uh, just really trying to get after that and get after him is something that stuck out to me. Ryan Kuhlman's a sophomore on the team who would end up splitting some time between JV and varsity. He says the JV had just one goal in mind in practice. You wanted, as a JV player, you wanted to hear the varsity coach get mad at the varsity guys. Josh Johnson's also a sophomore who splits time between JV and varsity. He says practices were educational and at times enjoyable, at least for him. I love scout team, to be honest, just because I was usually the guy that uh, I got up all the shots whenever I wanted to. So <laughs> in my situation as a sophomore scout team, I was getting a lot of looks, and that, that was just all right for me. The JV guys aren't the only players enjoying the competitive nature of practice, though. Everyone got at it, and at times, they got at each other. Taylor Puttist and I, we got into it a couple of times over the years, of course, uh, being competitive and having a lot of the drills and practice going up against each other. So it was definitely uh, a point where I think we'd get under each other's skin and then after practice kind of recollect. And, I mean, we were fine after that. Practices were super competitive. And, um, you know, they were competitive on the court. Everybody wanted to beat each other on the court. Because you're battling um, not only for starting position but for playing time. Luke Bellman, in particular, doesn't have too many fond memories of those early practices. And then after I got out of the sling, I was with our trainer um, at um, at OG, and during practices, they'd be practicing basketball. I would be on the sideline, 
training, you know, to just get my cardio back, strength back, and stuff like that. So my practices actually probably sunk more than the guys practicing because I was just running my butt off up and down doing jumps. And For some teams, those intense battles for playing time could tear them apart. But above all else, this is a team that enjoys playing together, and they've been doing it for a long time. Um, especially Taylor and Luke um, Bellman, uh, Taylor Pettis and Luke Bellman. We have been playing with each other since, you know, probably third or fourth grade. So we already had a very strong relationship. And then Jake Meyer as well um, had played with us a lot during the summer. You know, we got along with our with the juniors. We got along with the sophomores. We hung out with them, you know, outside of practice. We had great team chemistry. The coaches had our back. Um, and And we just had a lot of fun running the court we had a lot of fun playing together what really clicked was the group of guys we had no matter if they were juniors seniors sophomores we didn't care everyone went to practice we all worked hard together we all learned together and you know played hard together and i think that that's ultimately what pushed us over the edge of being a great team not only is this a close team but they're also able to keep things loose which coach leslie says was a big benefit didn't get flustered, didn't get shook. I mean, it didn't matter what happened, good, bad, and different. They just kind of like rolled with it. And then, and they didn't care if you score, I score, they score, whomever. They just played it out. And they would give you everything they had. I mean, that group, I mean, I remember Eric Brigner would like play to repute. That's how, that's how hard they played. They played so hard. I mean, and they didn't care who did, who won. The one thing that the crowd never got to see was our locker room before, before the game. It was as loose as loose could be. We had the music blasting. Everyone was in there dancing. Warm-ups were always funny because Justin Shoemaker would say, hey, I'm feeling it tonight. Find me. I'm like, <laughs> okay, Justin. Every game. It didn't matter. Every game. Hey, I'm feeling good tonight. All right, Justin. I'll get you the ball. Or as Justin likes to say, I just had a lot of confidence in my point guard. Taylor, Taylor Puttis could have closed his eyes on half of the passes that he threw to me, and he, he knew exactly where I was going to be. And so did everyone on the team. Taylor's dad, Ken Puttist, who played on the first Ottawa Glandorf team to ever make it to state, knew that it was in his son all along. He just needed to grow up first. And Taylor was one of these very early developers, but as far, I mean, as, far as his basketball skills, but he didn't listen very well. <laughs> and that got him probably in more trouble. I know his junior year, he didn't play a lot, and it really came down to his inability to uh, do what they wanted him to do. That wasn't a fact that was lost on Taylor going into the year either. My junior year wasn't as successful as, as individually for me as I had hoped. Um, it was kind of a roller coaster year for me, um, emotionally and physically, just you know not playing up to the way I was capable of, and you know having a brother that was a senior and a primary contributor for that team. Um, you know I wanted to play well, and, and you know I just had my personal ups and downs in that year. But Taylor did grow up, but he became the leader that the team needed. Taylor Puttis, he was uh, very underrated as uh, a point guard. Um, you know, people don't realize how good Taylor Puttis really was, and um, not just defensively, but offensively. You know, he didn't care whether he scored a point or not. You know, what he kept track of was how many assists he could get. I think he broke, I'm not sure if he still holds it, but he uh, broke the assist record for OG that night with like 19 in one game. And Taylor was the one who you know, was very vocal. Um, he got after guys, and he, he did the thing on the defensive end where he caused a lot of deflections, and that obviously played into our our hands, uh, what we were trying to do, where we got up and down. And, you know, he, he found the guys, and he hit them in the sweet spots, and guys were able to capitalize. The pieces are in place. The games are ready to be played. But there's a different feeling in the air as the season tips off. Ottawa is still recovering from catastrophic flooding, the worst natural disaster to hit the community in nearly a century. And while the flood happened at the beginning of the school year, you can still feel its impact as the season begins. Coach Leslie, for one, nearly lost everything. Yeah, I mean, we, it was, I mean, displaced from your, from home. I mean, basically lived with Tyson McLaughlin for a week. and <laughs> We lived, lived in their house. I'd take the kids to my, my kids went to my mom's in, in Jamestown for a while. We weren't sure we going to have a house, trying to find a place. One of you have to move back to St. Mary's and live in a house there and then try to make the commute back and forth. Tyson lived in a different house then, but I, him and I walked from basically the Carriot to where I live, which is down, downtown. And it was chest high. Just, you're walking through chest high 
whatever, I guess water, but it was, it was pretty disgusting. Just try to get there to see if you lost everything that you had. You had. Oh man, that was that was crazy. You know, they stayed with us for a couple of days there, and you know, I remember making that walk from the Lutheran Church over there uh, all the way down to basically to Shell Station, and you know, we were it was about chest deep at that point, and uh, you know, this the things are going through. You know, what are the most important things that we could possibly get out of there? And uh, it just happened so fast, and you know, at that place where he was located, uh, it really put things in perspective. The players on the team were more fortunate. For the most part, their families' homes weren't affected, but the significance of the devastation isn't lost on them. You know, outside distractions like the like the flood, mm-hmm. um, it it can you know kind of mess with your brain a little bit. Um, just it it kind of uh, derails your chemistry a little bit, maybe. Um, and and I don't think yeah, I don't think it ever affected us too much. We were all you know in it in it together, so we we kind of knew what we we were getting into i live downtown ottawa so my house was affected by it a little bit but i was all, all of our neighbors everyone's out there staying back and doing everything they can to help the community help people try and save everything they can within their home my dad was a volunteer firefighter still is so he was dealing with it daily and nightly and trying to help people get out of their houses get things removed so he was working the clock about 24 7 because he'd get home from work he'd go Worked for the floods. I know Rex Johnson did the same thing. And so During the flood in August, the players took a whole new leadership position, helping the community recover. I thought it was really cool um, to kind of be a part of, you know, with, with the football team um, that fall, Coach Schreiner had us all go up to the county garage and fill sandbags and things like that. And um, I took some pride in that. That felt good to do. I, feel, I felt like I was helping. Football coach Ken Schreiner says that it was important for him from the start to have his players on the front line of helping the community get back on its feet. You know, it just took a simple one or two phone calls and, uh, you know, ask kids if they were, you know, able to, to, to come up and, uh, you know, we were we were bagging sand and, uh, you know, a lot of times we were delivering sandbags to downtown businesses or to homes that we knew that were in jeopardy and, you know, our kids did just an outstanding job of being leaders in the community and, I know we were in, you know, some of the houses along the river helping them move stuff out of their house, sandbagging, et cetera, just as part of the, you know, being part of the community. Because when you're a football member or a basketball member at Ottawa, if it's not just the basketball team or just the football team, you are part of the community and you help when needed. Where, you know, the football team, different factions of the football team were out helping people um, with their flood issues and, you know, hauling sandbags, delivering sandbags, you know, and that. From from a team standpoint, that just does nothing but build, you know, strength. It builds uh, camaraderie, builds, you know, tight bonds, friends, you know. Sometimes that help didn't come in the form of filling sandbags or helping tear out damaged home interiors. Sometimes that help came in the form of providing an escape from the realities of flood recovery for just a few hours on a weekend night. Uh, it was a challenge for our kids, and I, I think it was a, a mental diversion. And I think our community really appreciated what the kids did. And it was uh, it was a, a, a time where I think we kind of came together and you know really showed what our what our toughness was all about. And our, and our kids were really respected for what they did at that point. And uh, it was something that I think for the community, it gave them something to look forward to. You know, for a little bit of time, you know, a couple hours here or there, you know, they could go to a football game or they could go to the basketball game, and it could you know take their mind off of you know, some of the terrible things that had taken place. So, you know, it was a stress reliever, but it was at the same time, it was something I think our community built it around. You know, if there's one thing about Ottawa Glandorf is everybody speaks the common language of basketball. Um, So I think that that was something that uh, the whole town could rally around and really kind of um, take our minds off of what had happened, you know, with the businesses being um, destroyed and some homes and stuff like that and uh, kind of brings a little bit of joy to the town. And um, I think that that was just one thing that we were able to use as, um, like you said, a catalyst to kind of like get people over the hump of, you know, maybe not always rely or, you know, thinking about the stress of, you know, you know, people's homes and the businesses in the community, you know, having struggles, you know, they could at least escape from, you know, that, you know, their lifestyle for that Friday night going to the games and, you know, having concessions and all their buddies and friends are at the games and everyone's screaming and having a good time. You know, it, it lets everyone kind of escape for that. And, you know, I was kind of just 
glad to be a part of that, honestly. With all of that happening in the background, it could have put a big weight on the shoulders of this team. But for the most part, the players say that they never really felt any added pressure. You know, as, as a teenager, 17, 18-year-old kid, you're not thinking on the broad scheme of things. You're just, all right, well, that house looks damaged. So we went and helped, you know, as a being a high school kid that's not weighing on you as heavily, or heavily, heavily as, you know, the adults in the community. So with a healthy mix of athleticism, talent, expectations, confidence, and even a community in need of a rallying point, the season gets underway. The Titans go 7-3 and three for the first half of the season, but they never really feel like they're completely in a rhythm. OG falls to defiance in league play and to Faustoria and Perrysburg out of conference. And then on January 11th, the chances of a league title, one of the stated goals of the season, goes out the window when Ottawa Glandorf loses at home to rival Elida by one point. You go back to January, they lose to an Elida team that, in retrospect, wasn't that bad, but at that time, Elida was in a little bit of a rebuilding phase and kind of struggled that year. OG loses to Elida, and I think a lot of people kind of wrote the Titans off. Mark Koontz is with WTLW Sports at the time, and he's not the only person who thinks it's going to be a long way back for Ottawa Glendorf at this point. You kind of looked at him in mid-January. They just came off a one-point loss to Elida to fall to 7-4, and four, and nobody really had too high of expectations at that point. That's Butch Lommers, who knows a thing or two about Titan basketball. Not only did he coach, he was the Titan basketball color commentator for 14 years, and his thoughts echo what the rest of the community is thinking at this point. Heck, halfway through the season, I'm thinking, God dang, these guys are just underachieving right now. I don't know what's going on. So, I'll never forget when they got beat by Elida. They were seven and four, and I don't, I don't think I'm that tough on my kids. But I remember calling them aside after the game. We went home, and I said, "If you want me to play, see you play another basketball game, you will play hard. That's all I want. Play hard." I go, "You watch that film when Coach shows you that film, and watch how lazy you guys played." And I said, "All you have to do is play hard." And uh, I'll never forget, it seemed like that next game, they played extremely hard and extremely well. And it just seemed like, from that point on, the, the kids understood. Ken Pottest isn't the only one who sees the loss to Elida as a turning point. I mean, Elida always gave us a tough time for whatever reason. I, but I think after having that loss, we kind of recollected, um, did a little self-analyze and looked at our strengths, looked at our weaknesses, and then we went back out to the drawing board and just, I think, executed better start to play a little bit harder both in practice and then at the games and I think that's what ultimately uh, led to our success. Well I, th- I think the turning point was after that Elida loss at home um, that's when we kind of had to take a step back and reevaluate where we were um, you know and then after that we kind of got it going a little bit. And I think they probably had a good heart-to-heart talk after the Elida loss they pretty much were out of the league at that point. You had Shawnee and Defiance sitting up there with uh, unblemished records at that point. And uh, I think Coach Leslie pulled them together, and some of the seniors, you know, started to, you know, try and realize what they wanted out of this season yet. And so by the end of January, I thought, you know, they're looking like they, they might be able to make a little noise in tournament anyway. It's at this point of the season, one of the hallmarks of this team starts to come together, an all-out, nonstop, relentless press. It's something that the players still pride themselves on today. We'll talk all about that in a moment, but first, a big thank you to the sponsors of Basketball Heaven, the story of the 2008 Ottawa Glandorf Titans, a service of First Federal Bank of Ottawa, Ottawa Ordnance, and Everett Schmink Insurance. We play a style at the time that was that most teams didn't see. I mean, most teams weren't pressing, most weren't doing that stuff, and we were playing 10 people every game pretty much and trying to get after teams, and it's, it just started falling in place. Defensively, I mean, that was kind of Leslie's, Leslie's scheme, um, you know, especially since we felt like we had um, especially a deeper roster than a lot of teams and more athletic as well. Uh, so we tried to get teams out of their element a little bit, speed them up, and that uh, seemed to work out nicely for us. You know, he expected us to be running like every single play. We, even though, you know, the opponent scores, we, we should be having the ball down down the floor at half court, you know, within two, three seconds and having a shot up within, you know, 10 seconds of, of turning the possession around. But with how athletic we were um, in our backcourt, especially, he knew that this was the type of defense that we could play and kind of speed up the pace. Um, so, you know, the learning curve, it took a while, but, you know, as the season progressed, we started being able to read 
um, and get really better, get really good at it. And I would say, especially with Luke up top, um, you know, Luke was, was one of the most athletic guys on the floor at all times. And, you know, you set, set him up there and he just flies around. And Taylor was really good at um, being able to read both Taylors, Taylor Kuhlman and Taylor Puttis, at reading um, the defense. And then you had uh, Shuey in the back making steals as well. So the press is coming together, and the wins are coming. The Titans win five straight following the Elida loss, including victories over tough opponents like Archbold and Napoleon. Still, they're not firing on all cylinders, at least not just yet. And that's when Josh Leslie takes the biggest gamble of the season. Jake Meyer, the team's second leading scorer, is going to the bench. No, I mean, I remember the big thing was I, I sat down with all three of those guys at once and just kind of laid it out for them as far as we have to be able to change our lineup up a little bit and do this because it'll be better for the team. And I saw it to Jake, like, well, you're going to play starter minutes. He played as much, if not more, minutes than everybody else in the team. He just didn't start the first two minutes of the game. So Coach Leslie actually pulled uh, Shu and TK and myself into the um, multi-purpose gym, and he, he talked to us. He's like, I can't, I can't start all three of you guys. Um, it, it just, you know, obviously it's like hurting our, our rotation. Um, so I, I kind of took a step back and was like looking at it. Um, TK can get some really good experience starting, um, that kind of thing. Moving, and he's a junior, he's got another year. That'll be a good experience for him. Um, she was obviously uh, the best scorer. So I kind of saw it as, I, you know, I can – you know, volunteer for this, I guess, and, and I'm okay if this is the direction that Coach Leslie wants to take. It just set everything up better, and for him to be able to do that as a senior, to be able to take that on and be like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean, hopefully he was fine with that. I mean, but he said all the right things at the time. He may not have been, and maybe I was fuel for him coming in there, but it, whatever it did, it, it worked out for him pretty well, I think. Uh, this is the first time I didn't start my whole basketball career. So that was, that as far as like a – uh, adjustment. Um, it was a big adjustment for me, but um, I, I realized I was playing kind of the other teams rotating guys out too. So I'm playing some of their six, seven, eight guys. Um, I know I'm just as good as anybody's anybody else's starter. So he kind of took that to heart himself too, and he's like, you know what? Even though I'm coming off the bench, I'm going to be still a spark for the team. And I mean, I think he took that role on tremendously. And Obviously, through the tournament, heck, he's had some 20-point games and some really amazing games coming off the bench. So I think at that point in time, it was kind of hard to swallow early on that he wasn't going to be starting. But, I mean, after the season, I think he knew that that was the best position for, for our team. you got to give a lot of credit to those guys, um, especially Jake and Taylor Kuman, because, you know, whoever was playing the best at the time was willing to start and whoever wasn't or you know, whatever worked best for the team is what they were willing to do. And while no one seemed hesitant about the move, Eric Brickner, for one, was ecstatic about it. So I loved it because that meant he was going to be playing with me. So he was always a, a guy that I knew could score the ball. So I would just try to put him in great positions to, to take those open shots, to get him wide open looks. With a new starting rotation in place, things begin to gel. The Titans rolled off big wins over Van Wert, Anthony Wayne, and Salina. All that was left before the tournament was a final Western Buckeye League contest against Shawnee. That was a that was a tough game, uh, especially ending the season like that. They they uh, they went on fire um, there in the game, and we just couldn't do anything about it. It seemed like they didn't miss. Led by Jaron Butler's four third-quarter three-pointers, the Indians rolled Ottawa Glendorf that night, 82-66. to We just ran into a buzzsaw. Um, it was simple as that. I know, I know they had seven threes in the third quarter alone, and they scored like 34 points in the third quarter. Um, it was a relatively close game until then. Third quarter just busted open. We obviously got waxed by Shawnee that last game. Uh, I think they shot somewhere around like 80% um, for the game. For a lot of teams, a big loss like that right before the tournament could put some doubt in their minds or rattle their confidence. But this team didn't dwell on it. Like any good team, they learned from the experience. Uh, and I think that kind of really humbled us. And, you know, Leslie brought us back to the drawing board and, um, you know, really looked at some of the things we had to focus on. We kind of did just brush that off. Like, it's playoff time now. 
um, starting the tournament, that game's behind us. That, that was kind of the, the attitude of the team after that game, if I remember correctly. I don't think we cared too much about the loss, and I think it kind of motivated us to, you know, to push forward in the postseason. The Titans enter the tournament with a 15-5 and record. Not stellar by any means, but pretty good. Ottawa Glandorf draws the 6-14 and Lakota Raiders in the first round. OG fans are expecting a cakewalk, but after two quarters, the Titans only have a nine-point lead. Coach Leslie's not happy about it. In particular, he's not happy with Jake Meyer. Coach Leslie fired me up going into the second half because in the first half of that game, um, I was stone cold. And at halftime, uh, I think we were only up like eight points or something at halftime. And uh, Coach Leslie got very vocal. <laughs> and he, he actually he, he looked in my eye and kind of challenged me in the second half. And it, it, it pissed me off enough to that it worked and and then in the third quarter jake went off scored like 21 points in a row or something crazy one's he gonna go 23 one's he gonna get 26 i didn't think it was ever gonna stop how long can he keep scoring i think he scored 28 straight points like a lot of legendary athletic performances sometimes the facts get misremembered uh it was 20 points 20 straight points jake meyer comes off the bench in the third quarter and scores the next 20 points for ottawa glendorf eric brickner george was um, he just found me, and I, I hit a shot on the baseline, and um, it felt good. I came down, hit another shot from the elbow, and then, you know, we got a couple fast breaks, and I felt like, uh, you know, I wanted to try a couple of heat checks, and, and they went in. So, like, we kind of just wanted to give him the ball and have him freelance. We knew that he was more of a spot shooter or would, you know, not maybe coming off the dribble, but off of picks or something like that. So, you know, coaches and all of us were like, hey, can we do this? Can, like, we just set a pick this way? Or, like, can we somehow get Jake open to see what he could do? And, I mean, it was just kind of one of those unconscious moments. One of the plays we ran, I missed him. And in my head, like, as I passed it to Taylor, I'm like, Jake was wide open for three and I didn't hit him. Like, in my head, I still remember that play pretty vividly at Finley. But um, he And he let me know about it. He's like, hey, I just hit, like, two shots. Give me the ball. I was like, yeah, that was my bad. Because they tried to call a timeout of this or whatnot. There's two things on us now. I was like, if one of you takes a shot before he touches it, then we're going to have a problem. <laughs> and the second thing was, he was dead. He, he, was, he was beyond gassed. And he looks at me, and he, and he, like, he gave me the, the signal for I need to come out. And I go, no. I just kept shaking him off. And he walks over and he says, I've got to have a break. I said, Jake, if I take you out, 2,000 people will, will strangle me. Because I remember my legs were dead, um, r- running up the court um, on fast breaks, um, trying to trying to get open for a three or something like that. Um, yeah, uh, and obviously he didn't take me out. He would have got crushed by the fans. In retrospect, Tyson McLaughlin thinks, well, maybe they should have subbed him out. Hindsight 2020, Doug. If I'd have known he was going to score 20 points, I probably would have taken him out of the game because he broke my record. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I should have taken him out with like 17 because I think I had 19. So uh, I guess that was poor coaching on my part. And Jake's dad, Dean, well, he also has a fairly unique memory of that Lakota game. I was in Reno, Nevada for that first game. And Jake and I had talked about this, you know, before the basketball season even started. I, I I go to a bowling tournament every year. It's a national tournament where wherever it is. And that year it was in Reno, Nevada, and it was always around that time. And I told Jake before the season ever started. I said, you know what, Jake, I think I think I may might get somebody to take my spot in this tournament this year since you're a senior. And Jake looked at me and he said, Dad, the sectionals. We're going to get by sectionals. Go and bowl in your tournament. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll do that. So I was out in Reno, Nevada, and my phone is lighting up because all the parents knew that I wasn't there. You know, They knew where I was. So my phone is just lighting up when I'm out there, and it's like, Jake's on fire. Jake's on fire. He, <laughs> he, can't, he can't be stopped. I mean, it's just gone ballistic. So, you know, obviously that night I'm, I'm all over the computers out there, and, and, uh, and in the morning I'm looking at all the papers I can find, and it's just, you know, that's a proud dad right there. Behind Jake's 28 points, OG defeats Lakota 88-53. to But it wasn't smooth sailing from that point. The Bluffton Pirates hung tight with the Titans in the sectional final, with Ottawa Glandorf winning 59-50. to 
And in the district semifinal, Parkway led OG by four points at the half before the Titans would come back to win 72-59. to But even then, we go and play Parkway, and I believe it was in the, in the first part of the district, and, and we had a terrible first half. And I'll never think the, the most laid-back person, Brad Shoemaker, just lays into them at halftime. And then from that kind of point on, we just started clicking. I mean, just started, everything kind of fell in place. The victory over the Panthers sets up a district final against the team that put the Titans out of the tournament just a year ago, St. Henry. I mean, my big thing was I just didn't want to lose to St. Henry again. I mean, I, I was so tired of seeing them get, <laughs> get through the district and then make a, make a run at it. But I, you know, my, my concern was I just did not want to lose them again. I mean, St. Henry was always just a huge basketball team. But according to Jake Meyer, Coach Leslie had a plan to get the Titans ready for the size of the Redskins this time around. Coach Leslie got, you know, obviously Tyson was was a coach on on the staff that year, and he was practicing with us. And he got a Leslie got a few guys from I think like the '96 uh, team or, or some of the old um, old Titan teams um, that were some of the bigger guys. Um, some big dudes were out there um, practicing with us, and it was. It was, you know, good preparation to, and probably over-preparation um, because those guys that we were practice, practicing against that week were bigger and stronger than the than the St. Henry boys that we ended up beating. And the plan works. Jacob Metting says Ottawa Glandorf went into the district final completely confident. Sometimes I think people, you get a little bit, uh, you overanalyze or you overthink who you're playing instead of just focusing on yourself. And if, if you yourself play well, you could win the game. And I think that's how we felt as a team, that if we played well, we were going to win. It was more about what we did than what they did. You know, we wanted to come in there and be physical and and really um, just play our game. Um, that's what um, Coach Leslie really stressed all year is play our game. We don't want to um, have someone, another team dictate Um, how we play, um, just because of the style we play. The preparation and the confidence pay off as the Titans defeat St. Henry 61-51 to claim their first district championship in four years. The win not only puts OG in the regionals, but the games are at Bowling Green State University, and there's nowhere else where the Titans would rather be. I can remember Coach Leslie specifically saying, something along the lines of we've made it to VG, this is our home or something like that. You know, kind of speaking for the Titan history and how much success OG's had at at VG, and I think immediately we believed that when he said that. Ottawa Glendorf teams have always played well at Anderson Arena, and the community treated it like it was a home away from home. Pretty much the old Bowling Green Gymnasium was Otto Glendorf's home court. It was well represented every time. We had fans running in. As soon as the doors open, like crazy nuts, try to get the first row seats. I don't know if it was the regional semi or the regional final, but I'll never forget just before the game the, uh, the how loud it was in Bowling Green with the blue crew there on the one side. Um, it was just an absolutely unbelievable experience, and that was in the old, old arena. The Titans really hadn't played a complete game of the tournament yet. But that was all about to change against Cuyahoga Valley Christian Academy. We put it on them. See, I mean, they didn't have a chance that first half. I mean, I mean, plus wise, we're getting after them. I mean, and we just took took. Now they made a little run at it later on, but we pretty much controlled that semifinal game. Ottawa Glendorf dominates in a regional semifinal, winning 58-47 in a game that really never felt like it was in doubt. And while from the outside looking in, it looked like the team had gone to another level, the players have a bit of a different take. It didn't feel much different, um, but you know, once you get kind of uh, to that level and uh, you're closing in on the brink of state, you kind of you feel like you got something special going there. I think we always thought we were there. I don't think there was a time where we're like, you know, wow, like we really have this going. Um, because once you get, you know, you get into the postseason, you don't. It's weird. You don't really think think about things like that. You're just like. You're looking forward, you know, to the, ne- the next game, the next play. And um, I think we were just kind of going with it and didn't really didn't really acknowledge that at all. Now, the only thing standing in the way of an improbable berth in the state tournament is a rematch with Archbold, who the Titans had already beaten once in the regular season. 
and the Ottawa Glendorf community would be there to wheel their team to the next level if that's what it was going to take. I recall the Blue Crew in full force for that regional final game in the old uh, Bowling Green, Green Gymnasium. Probably to this day, the loudest I've ever heard any gymnasium that I've been in. The students were from the floor all the way to the top of that building, and I don't think I've ever heard any gy- gymnasium as loud as I've heard that gym. Yeah, so that regional final game, I remember, was sold out, packed, and I think 75% of the crowd was OG. I mean, it was still getting told Archibald, but it was blue, blue and gold everywhere. And, um, you know, it felt like we were at a home. It felt like that. The team is confident, too. Luke Bellman remembers a conversation he had with Justin Shoemaker during warm-ups. We're going to win state. This team's going to win state. And, you know, like, we came to a point where we, we honestly thought like that was, a, that was a possibility. Justin remembers the conversation, too. You know, not from a cocky or an arrogant standpoint. I just felt like, you know, we were always just the best team on the court. And, um, you know, we had a lot of very close games throughout the tournament. But I always felt like when we stepped on the court, if we played um, up to the, our top ability, like that we were going to win. But he wasn't wrong. The Titans locked in the full court press and rode it to a 69-58 victory over the Archbold Blue Streaks. So, I don't know if it was because it was regionals and maybe those teams didn't see the press as much as some of the local teams or what, but I agree. I think our, our press definitely kind of set the precedent for the rest of the game and got us some easy opportunities. And then one of the things I remember those kids saying in that game, the, the, the Archibald kids, it felt like there were six or seven of them out there. That's how well that group was moving within, when pressuring them and getting after them because that was a, a solid team that we played. And we beat them early in the year too, but we were much better the second time we played them. The Titans were moving on to Columbus, and they were taking their suffocating press and hot shooting with them, as the Anna Rockets would soon find out. We jumped like 8-0, like, bang, like right off the bat. Just came right out on them, on them, on them, and pretty much kind of kept that lead throughout the entire, pretty much the entire game. It, after that first, it, seriously, it really was, we, I think it was 8-0, maybe not, it's 8 or 9-0, I don't remember exactly. And we just kind of kept that lead throughout. They made, they made, make a run to get it closer we hit some shots, and once again, I mean, that was another situation where in the second half, they, they were making a little run at it, and they hit a few, I mean, and Jake Meyer hits a few, like, threes that kind of give us that breathing room, and that game, if you ask probably most of the kids on the team, I think one of the biggest turning points in that game was Brent Coleman. Brent Coleman scored one point in that game against Anna. He also grabbed two rebounds and had one assist. But Coach Leslie is right. Brent's contribution that day was huge. I mean, he, because he basically had not played. He played very limited minutes, probably against St. Henry. Uh, probably played limited minutes against CBCA, maybe even against Archbold. But then he comes in there, and we we're having trouble rebounding because Anna had some pretty decent-sized kids. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty big, and they're a, they're a really, really good team. He comes in there, and he is a man in that game. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get in touch with Brent for this podcast, and I don't have the audio from that game, but I remember it well. As Anna was starting to make a run late in the game, there was a loose ball near midcourt, and Brent snags it. He's starting to fall down, but manages to throw it between an Anna player's legs to a waiting teammate. I think maybe it led to that assist that he had. Anyone in the Schottenstein Center that day remembers that play very well. And they also remember Justin Shoemaker putting on an absolute clinic. And then Justin Shoemaker is just Justin Shoemaker. I mean, with, with the this, this strength that he had, his athleticism, I mean, his ability to score. I mean, it was what it was. I mean, everybody else doing their parts here and there. Justin put up 26 points, including 10 in the third quarter. His 13 field goals tied a record for the most ever made in a Division Three state semifinal game. The Titans are playing for a state championship. Now, to make it this far, you've got to catch some breaks. And anyone on this team would admit that and tell you that they, in fact, did. And indeed, everything did seem to break Ottawa Glendorf's way to this point. They were in the right division. We were in Division Three, and we we kind of knew what teams were in in the in the region and in that division, and um, we felt like we had a shot. They the knew they got dropped down to three, and that really changed the landscape for their tournament. Uh, you know, I think, uh, notwithstanding, as we talked about earlier, that that district with them and LCC through these last 10 years or so, that's been a, a pretty tough district, but other generally speaking, it's a lot easier to get to state through D three than it is through division two. 
not to mention they had some favorable matchups. We never had to run into a real big guy. Uh, that was one thing that gave us trouble throughout the season was a legitimate post player. Um, we, we were able to face teams that, um, you know, our speed and athleticism kind of ate them up. And maybe their weakness was to play at that tempo, and that was our strength. And, you know, the cards lined up, and, you know, you need that. You need that in the tournament. And uh, luckily for us, uh, it went all the way through. I mean, to be re- realistic, we got some, I'm not going to say lucky bounces or whatever, but, you know, in tournament trail, you always need good matchups, and we got matches that we needed to win. That includes a matchup that didn't happen. I remember watching the St. Henry and Liberty Benton game, and there was so much hype around Aaron Kraft. And from, you know, for, for me, I, for me as a guard and hearing so much hype around him, we really wanted to play Liberty Benton. That was the buildup. I mean, that was a, a great buildup from probably mid-January as LB ranked number one. They were undefeated. Uh, Aaron Kraft obviously was a, a blue chipper, and uh, you you wanted the challenge, and, but then sometimes be careful what you ask for because he was the real deal. And the breaks continued all the way to the state championship game. We're sitting there watching the game before us where they're playing, and we're like, if the Aaron really wins the game, because we're more, more afraid of, oh gosh. I don't, Was I don't it Angelo? Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were huge. Absolutely yeah. enormous. And Garraway wins on a pretty crazy shot, and then the best player rolls his ankle. Not, and he's even said next day didn't bother him at all. But I was like, they win. We match up obviously a lot better with them. I mean, and we had to play after them. So I guess they're like, the winner of our game it probably wins this. And, and us. And when Sugar Creek Garraway hit that, hit that last second three to win the game, um, we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, this is going to happen. Like we're going to, we got these guys. Um, because we just felt like we matched up really well against Garraway. I, I think we all kind of looked at each other, and, and you could see a grin on Coach Leslie's face a little bit when Garraway hit that last-second shot. As Al Lobenthal tells it, spirits were running high the night before the title game. We won against uh, Anna, and I call the hotel after the game because I'm in shock that we won and we played so great. And Leslie says, we're going to win it all. And I said, well, let's go back and have an ice cream social. So I called the hotel and organized the ice cream social for the the players and the cheerleaders when we got back to the hotel. And they thought that was the greatest thing in the world, that we got together and had ice cream and brownies, and the hotel thought it was great. So that was was a a fitting way to get their confidence up, and they they weren't going to get beat by that. So the athletic director's confident, the coach is confident, and if you've been listening this long, you already know how the players are feeling going into the state title game against Sugar Creek Garraway. You know, walking into the shot out of the tunnel, um, it's it's something that, you know, just can't be put into words. And then just the amount of support that we had from our fans, just seeing them out there, um, you know, lined up, you know, by the hundreds and seeing them run into the shot was was definitely an experience in itself. You know, so we all look around and talk about it as like, if we play, which is true, if we play our game, I mean, I just, we couldn't fathom them beating us unless they were just making miracle shots. We were going through our walkthrough, and Tyson McLaughlin, uh, you know, being the varsity assistant, and being relatively young, you know, relatively close in age for, in, for us at the time, he was like, hey, guys, if we play well, we're going to be state champions. And we were like, okay, like we we expected to win anyway, but and those expectations weren't misplaced. The Titans opened up a six point lead after one quarter and locked in their press to extend the lead to twelve at the half. I remember talking with Tyson and and Wade and them about this and Brad. I was like, I don't think they've been pressed. We, we talked because it seemed like they hadn't because probably most teams just didn't press them because their guard, they thought their guards were so good. I mean, they, they didn't handle it very well. We were able to get what we want. We're controlling the game. And then I was like, how come? I was like, my gosh. So we played one more quarter like that, we're winning this thing. It was it was pretty amazing feeling. And we just put it on them early. And after that, I was like, we're not going to give up this lead. We're, we're too good defensively. Um, with Taylor Coleman and, and Luke Bellman being able to get guard individually one-on-one and our, our pressure on them early, I, I assumed it was over. Um, this, that was because we were playing so confident. And we never gave up runs that were like, 5-0 runs, 10-0 runs very often. As Ottawa Glandorf extended their lead to 18 after three quarters, the realization that they were going to win the state championship begins to set in. Probably about two minutes till the game ended is really when it 
kind of hits you, okay, man, we really are about to win the state. And in that moment, there's another moment. It's a moment that perhaps defines the character of this team better than any other example. Josh Johnson was just, he, he just got in a mop-up time at that, that year. And he's always like, oh, where my dreams has always been to, when the horn goes off, I throw the ball in the air. Well, Taylor Coleman, of all people, remembers this. So he made sure that at the end, who had the ball in his hand? Josh Johnson. He called dibs on it um, early on our tournament run. He's like, hey, if we win state, you know, I'm going to throw it. Where, you know, at this point, we're just kind of all joking around. Rose Rock with the rebound. Outlet down the floor to Josh Johnson. Four seconds left. They'll hold on to the ball. The Titans have won the Division Three State Boys Basketball title. Ottawa Glandorf has completed its improbable run to the state title, defeating Sugar Creek Garraway 62-44. to All that's left to do is go home to Putnam County for the celebration. That bus broke down. Um, we we ended up sitting on the side of the road, and I like even that didn't bother any of us. All the cheerleaders, all of the players and coaches, got on this pack already packed band bus, and the rest of the way home, we had way over packed bus, and they were just playing like fight songs and just stuff on their um, instruments and whatever. And we had this bus like fogged up because we just had so many people on it. And it was so hot, and but it was like one of the coolest experiences because like we were already kind of celebrating that, you know, Titan Pride and state championship before even getting to Ottawa. Just kind of funny, but then yeah, when we got into town, and like yeah, you almost don't think it's real. It's kind of a dream um, just to see the amount of people out there um, that have supported you all year, um, and all the little kids that you know look looked up to you um, while you were playing all year. You know, just to be able to, you know, put on that Otto Glendorf jersey, you know, it means a lot. It's more than just, you know, representing yourself. You're representing, you know, the hundreds or, you know, however many players that played before you. Um, when you're 15 guys and you can just um, kind of throw five guys in there and know you're going to get there all every time, um, I think that's pretty special. I got married last month, and six of those guys are in my wedding, you know, and that's how good of friends we were on that team. After, after games, after practices, all of us would hang out. Um, that was one thing that didn't bother um, anyone was, you know, how close we were off the court. And I think that translated, and I think everyone could see that translated on the court. Oh. I just loved all the kids. I mean, all of them. They were all just, you know, it was a just a bunch of good kids, and they all they knew how to have fun, and they were they were, you know, they were ornery at times, but god dang it, they they were good kids. It was one of those teams that had to work hard every single day, and uh, they had a lot of different guys that came in and and improved and, and did their job, and you know, it was a they didn't care about the accolades, they didn't care who who got the points, they didn't care about. It was in the newspaper. They cared about winning games. Man, like, we were lucky. Like, we had a privilege to do this and be a part of this. You know, we honestly came to a point where, like, we were a band of brothers. And with that, the season comes to a close in the best possible way that it can. A Division Three state title for Ottawa Glendale. Titans prepare to receive their state champion medals. Listen to the Titan crowd as they salute their team. An unbelievable run for this Ottawa Glendorf squad. Basketball Heaven, the story of the 2008 Ottawa Glendorf Titans, has been a service of... Your number one OG Titan fans. Auto Owners Insurance and the Everett Schmank Insurance Agency are a winning combination. Auto Owners and Everett Schmank will work with you to insure your home, auto, business, and life to keep everything you value safe, sound, and secure. Auto Owners Insurance, the no problem people. Call Everett Schmank Insurance Agency in Ottawa today, 419-523-6539. That's 523-6539. Like to target shoot? Are you going on a hunt? Ottawa Ordnance can help you with ammunition and a gun. 
Besides firearms, Auto Ordnance has pocket knives, muzzle loading, and gun cleaning supplies, scopes, slings, bipods, and much more for hunters and shooters. And Ottawa Ordnance stocks leather concealed carry purses for women. Visit us at OttawaOrdnance.com or check us out on Facebook. Ottawa Ordnance, your firearms and accessories specialist. Dear, do you have any cash? I owe Heather for lunch. Oh, and we need to send Jason money for textbooks. Sound familiar? Now there's an easier way to pay with People Pay from First Federal Bank. It uses First Federal's mobile app to quickly and securely text or email cash and e-gift cards. Oh, I still have to get a gift card for Dan's birthday. I think there's an ATM on the way. Stop hunting for ATMs and start using People Pay. Check it out at first-fed.com/peoplepay. Member FDIC.